Imagine with me, if you will, you and the person you're in a relationship with decide to do a gift exchange. You both take time to wrap these amazing looking gift boxes with this beautiful paper and gorgeous bows. Oh, who doesn't love a beautiful bow? You meet up and it's time to exchange your gifts now, but you can hardly wait. As you're holding your boxes, you think to yourself, I wonder what they got me. Or I wonder if it's that thing I've been talking about. Oh, no, no. Better yet, maybe it's that thing we saw at the mall the other day. The wrapping paper is just simply beautiful. So beautiful that you almost don't even want to ruin it by taking it apart. But the goal is to get to what's in the box, right? So here you go. You begin to gently untie the bow and undo the paper. This method also is to ensure that you can reuse this beautiful decor later for those of us who are cheap. You finally get the box open where the gift is. And with such excitement and suspense, you open it and you both kind of look puzzled. You look up at each other with no words, but the stare that you're giving to each other is basically saying, what in the world is this? This isn't the thing I liked or I asked for. This isn't the thing that I saw at the mall the other day. What in the world am I supposed to do with this? See, inside both of these boxes, pretty much guys, is a bunch of junk. Stuff that is broken and has what seems to be right now no purpose or use. Now, I know this sounds crazy. Who does that? Who gives a box full of junk as a gift? But this, in fact, for most of us, if not all of us, is what we face when we're entering into having relationships, looking through stuff and junk and trying to figure out what does all this mean? We'll discuss this today and so much more at the well. to At The Well. I am your host, Tammy Conway, and I'm joined again today with my husband, Stephen. We are entering a second episode dealing with the various topics of relationships, um, but in particular, we're going to be talking about sifting through your junk. If you joined us last week for our first episode, we talked about what is love, um, discovering what love is and what love isn't. But now we're going to talk about the first year or so of our marriage and some of the things that we discovered about what we brought to the table. And uh, interestingly enough, everyone brings something. Yeah, it's like a family cookout. You've got that aunt who does a great job at potato salad or that uncle who considers himself to be a grill master. Or you've got somebody else in the family who's wonderful at making cakes and pies or mm, another person who does macaroni and cheese. And then you got the, the cooler people. They just bring coolers with ice, with drinks and whatnot. But... Um, it, it's not that one, what one person's, what one person brings is no better than what another person brings necessarily, but the goal is that everybody brings something to the table. But that macaroni and cheese does make a difference. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> but um, marriage is kind of like that that cookout setup, that family cookout setup. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, what the husband and what the wife brings to the table is generally not as good as he or she thinks Mm. that it is Mm. and therein lies the problem in fact that's what we're going to be talking about today when we uh when we use this concept of brokenness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of a, a interesting concept and i know nobody likes from the outset to hear that that they're broken right right we like we generally like to think more highly of ourselves or maybe perhaps we feel like we face certain things in our lives and we've overcome and so to take that connotation on 
for some people it's a hard thing right but i there's two there's two elements to this and this is fundamental to understanding the rest of what we'll talk about romans chapter 3 verse 23 in the bible it says that all have sinned mm-hmm. and come short of the glory of god and then in that same chapter uh romans chapter 3 there is none righteous no not, not one, one. Mm-hmm. so all of us are flawed at a fundamental and at a basic level uh tamra you like to refer to it as as a what now a genetic defect right a genetic <laughs> defect every one of us is born with this genetic this gene this this genetic defect or this yeah. gene <laughs> defect uh, but the other element of it is not just that we're fundamentally flawed as sinners or broken men and women but in jeremiah chapter um, 17 the bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things mm. and desperately wicked no it. one can know it so not only am i flawed but i am also deceived yeah as to the existence of my flaw right right, right. so my very existence the existence of me is to defend myself against acknowledging that these flaws actually exist defending myself against acknowledging uh, or pinpointing that these are owning that I am a broken individual and so there's a there's there's seriously some issues there and you know I think the other part of that too is that um, many people can acknowledge that they have brokenness or a genetic defect but we don't always know how that shows up in our life Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know I ain't perfect. Ain't nobody perfect. <laughs> right. Right. But tell me how you're not perfect. Well, uh, uh. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a. Um, we were talking to you know some people the other day, and you had asked. Um, it was we were doing. We were going to talk to you guys about this a little bit later about this thing called core fear. But you had asked people to basically explain, explain, um, or share, or share with you know some of the the things that you think, think about, about yourself. yourself. You know, and oftentimes um, that isn't one, you know, that comes up, you know, very rarely, you know, well, I know I'm broken, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think it also is important to as we're dealing with this, uh, this aspect of having this genetic defect that we all have in our lives for the Christian, I think it's important too because oftentimes we can feel as though well you know I've come to God and I've given God you know all of me and I've prayed and I've fasted and he's delivered me from this thing and for deliver me from that thing or even or even man I was raised in a good family right a Christian family right. you know my, my parents love God they taught me how to love God yeah you know what I would say to them <laughs> same thing Jesus said to Nicodemus you need to be born again amen no matter what family you were born into mm-hmm. how good or uh, or how good they thought they were or you mm-hmm. thought they were mm-hmm. Jesus says at a basic level, fundamental level yeah. a fundamental level we are flawed to the point that we must experience a new birth. Mm-hmm. That's the only way of dealing with our genetic defect. And I and I think for for that, it takes the understanding of the justification and the sanctification process. Yeah. Um, and you know, make no mistake about it. I think many of us have testimonies that we can share about how God and how far He's brought us, right, from where we've been or where we've come from. Um, but if anyone is honest. It is a lifetime process. It is an ongoing process. There are things that I 
Um, I know about myself today that I did not know about myself last year or five years ago or at the beginning yes. of our marriage when we were first married, you know, that I had no clue about and how those things in my life would manifest themselves, right? Or show up in various different capacities. That's a profound concept. There are some things that God can do for us in an instant. Yes. And then there are other things that it, it just takes, it takes time. Yeah. My mind goes back to Abraham. Mm -hmm. From the moment that God promised him that he would have a son, why did it take 25 years? Mm. Here's a hint, folks. It wasn't because of God. Mm. It was because of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't, I don't have all the insight that God would, would share on that. But um, my suspicion is, and my belief, in fact, is that these things that take longer for God to do, it's not because he doesn't have the power. Mm -hmm. Certainly he does. Mm -hmm. But it's because he wants us to get it mm. and in order for us to get it it takes time mm -hmm. and that's why somebody has said that this sanctification thing is the work of a lifetime mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well we want to kind of share from our perspective as we said before we're trying to open up our life a little bit to you guys and show you how these things kind of kind of happened for us but also what were some of the tools that we used in order to make it through um, you heard us talk about a little bit of our beginning in the first episode dealing with what is love um, one of the things that was very pertinent for me in being able to deal with my own brokenness that I brought to the table. Or did, wait a minute. Did you know you were broken? Absolutely you know, We're talking not. about other people, but did you know you were broken? <laughs> no, I thought that I was doing really good. You mm -hmm. know, um, I thought you was fine. Huh? Yes. Well, you know, I still am. But anyway, um, mm. <laughs> no, you know, really when I, when I look back at that time in my life, I was probably around 20 or 21 years old when this process began for me. And the process that I'm talking about is the process of God exposing me to myself. Um, him opening up the caverns of my life. How did that happen? Um, interesting. I, I w went to a class one day. You know, I had always wanted to do, you know, I don't know if it's psychology or, you know, different things. Counseling, I enjoyed things like that, right? So I thought that that was the route I was going to go in school. And the opportunity came up at a local community center to do uh, suicide prevention training. And once we completed this course, we would be doing the hotline, you know, um, helping people. They would call in, you know. So um, as I was going through this course, a lot of really great things happened. Uh, many, you know, that it would take too long. But one in particular was during this class, the instructor told all of the all of, of the people who were participating that we needed to put ourselves in the shoes of the individual who was going to be on the other side of the line opening up themselves and sharing with us and so we did an exercise and the, the instructor wanted us to be as open and honest as possible about some traumatic or some really pertinent experience in our lives right um, to to one another and that was really a very scary thing for me and so um what i'm going to do right now is i'm going to go ahead and take a break and when we come back i'll kind of explain to you guys what actually happened during that process Welcome back, guys. Thank you for joining us today for the episode of Sifting Through Your Junk. I'm Tammy Conway, joined by my husband, Stephen Conway. And we are discussing um, some things that have happened in our lives that helped us to discover that we had some stuff we were bringing into our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I left off in the last segment um, explaining that I was a part of this class um, where I wanted to do suicide prevention. And the instructor had asked us all to be vulnerable and share some experiences. And, you know, I was sitting in this class. It was actually in a circle 
circle, right? And I began to hear all of these people talking about the things that have happened to them in their life. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I started hearing all these people open up, first of all, it was abnormal for me, right? I did not uh, do that a lot. Matter of fact, probably, if any, I can't even think about a point in my life where I was so vulnerable. And at that point in my life, I was in school. You know, I had a good job. Things were going well. I, I thought that, you know, for me to um, come to this this circle of people bearing their souls. I was just like, you know what, this is, you know, this is not for me. But as I began to hear all of these individuals talk and share some of their experiences and their brokenness, it did something to me. And I, you know, I gently watched all these people going around the circle and the circle was coming closer and closer to me. It became my turn. And eventually, you know, when it got to be my turn, I um I I made a, a decision at that moment to just share, right? I don't really know how, I can't even really remember exactly how I did it, but it revealed itself that some things had taken place in my life that were very detrimental and hurtful, um, things that have impacted me even to this day. And I remember doing it and then the circle kept moving. But at that moment, it was it was mind boggling to me. For one, I had did something that I had never done, which was open up and share, you know, first of all, to a group of people I don't know. And I'm not saying that that is how everyone needs to do it. But what I am saying is it began a process of me discovering that there were things that really have impacted my life in such a way. And I didn't know or understand to what extent had it affected me. Hmm. So that was, that was a, that was a unique and interesting experience. And this happened before we were married. Yes, yeah? this was before we were married, which I'm going to be honest to this day. I'm so grateful for that because it was at that moment that began a process of me actually actually getting counseling. Um, because once that cavern was open in my life, it was it, I couldn't close it, you mm -hmm. know, it, and it actually was freeing. It was uh, it was painful, but it was more freeing than it was painful, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, my. Um I, I'm like you. I was not conscious of my brokenness or this genetic defect that I had. Um, and it was in the process of me preparing to ask you to marry me that mine was revealed to me. In high school, I lived a foolish, promiscuous life, uh, running around and considering myself to be a macho man or whatever. Mm. And here I am on my knees and I'm praying about you know, marrying you. Of course, at this point, the trajectory of my life, my life has certainly changed and I'm walking with the Lord and what have you. But nonetheless, here I am praying and Lord, is this the right thing? And a thousand fears are running through my mind. And mm. What if I marry her and she decides to leave me? What if I marry her and she just wakes up and looks up? I don't want to be married to him. I made a mistake. Or what if she's unfaithful to me? Or what if a tragic accident or some sickness were to come mm -hmm. and she dies like a year or two or three or ten or whatever into our marriage. All of this stuff is running through my mind and the Lord kind of taps me on the shoulder symbolically and says, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? Don't you understand that love is a choice and there is no guarantee. There's risk, which I talked about before, but the Lord did something else other than just telling me what love was. He revealed that this same fear that I was experiencing about mm -hmm. making a commitment in my life to a woman, that this fear had, in fact, always been a part of my life, even though I was unaware of it. Mm. And so uh, it was almost like I, I like to refer to it as a Joseph moment 
when Joseph is 37 years old, he sees his brothers bowing down in the dust in front of him. The dreams he had as a young man and all of his life begins to kind of come into, into, into perspective. And so at this point, my prior life came into perspective. The running around and being promiscuous and talking to all of these girls and dating different girls and whatnot. God revealed to me that the reason I was doing that was not because I was a macho man, mm -hmm. but it was because I was afraid of commitment. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of rejection. And so I was insulating myself from being hurt from anyone by being committed to so many people mm -hmm. and not really being committed to anyone. Yeah. And so I look back at that and I'm like, wow, wow. At 17 years old, I had been unceremoniously booted out of my parents' house. <laughs> And I thought I was never more free. I was living mm. um, in places that I had no business living with people that I probably shouldn't have been with. And um, I thought I was never more free. But at that moment, that prayer on my knees, um, God revealed to me that, in fact, I was the biggest slave that there ever had been at that point in my life. So what I what I had perceived at the time to be freedom was actually the time in my life when I was most in bondage to my fears. You know, what's amazing about that is it makes me think about the scripture that says um, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I believe that for so long, many of us tell ourselves lies and we don't understand to what extent we do that about our brokenness, about our past, about what we've been through, about who we've been with. And instead of facing the truth, we try to recreate a truth. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I always say that some things are true, but not the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that. And, and God, in his wisdom and his mercy toward us, puts us in situations or allows us, because sometimes he doesn't put us in the situations, we put ourselves there. And he can take even those situations and he begins to work on us and he begins to try to help us to see ourselves for who we really are and how the things that we've experienced in life have affected us. And, um, and many of us fight it. You know, I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest, that day that I sat in that room with those people, I was fighting it the whole time. The more and more that I heard them speak and I heard them talk, the more that it made me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where I wanted to get up and leave, actually. Or, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. You know, like, skip over me. But I, I think, man, if I would have left that circle that day, where would I be today? Hmm. You know, I look back at that and I said, that was the beginning for me. And then, if I'm really honest, God had always been trying mm -hmm. at various different points in my life to try to help me face the truth. And the reason why he wants me to face the truth isn't because he wants me to be broken, right, necessarily, or to be this perpetual bleeding person, right? Um, I, I saw this saying online somewhere where it says that we need to, you know, be sure that we tend to our wounds, right, so that they can heal. Because if we don't, we will bleed all over the people who haven't done anything to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful. You know, your brokenness and you facing, you know, the the sense of rejection that you felt and the need to feel wanted and, you know, the fear of not being loved and all those things like that. And, and my fears and, and how, can you imagine two people fearful mm -hmm. coming together and bleeding all over each other? Of course I can imagine it. It, 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 it happens. It, <laughs> it happened and yeah. it still happens in, um, in so many of our, in so many of our relationships. But I think it's important for us to remind 
remind people at this point, this is God working in each one of our lives mm-hmm. um, individually mm-hmm. um, to reveal to us the things that we would bring to the table. And the, the, the beautiful thing about this, you're like, oh, what's beautiful? You're talking about being broken. But the beautiful thing mm. is that I can come to the relationship knowing mm-hmm. that my life has been dominated by fear mm-hmm. of rejection mm-hmm. and fear of commitment and fear of disappointment and fear of being uh, inadequate and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. I can bring that to the table and I'm aware of it. And now I don't have to blame my wife for those things. And, mm-hmm. and likewise, the things that you bring to the table, you're aware of. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the one of the beautiful things is I got a phone call from you. Um, I was down in Tennessee working. Obviously, you're living in, in Cleveland, Ohio. But I got a phone call and you shared not too long after you had your experience. You shared with me about that experience. Mm-hmm. And we were both in tears and you opened up and said, listen, I felt like it was my responsibility mm-hmm. to share this with you so that you can uh, you can make the best decision possible in terms of deciding whether or not to marry me. I, obviously, you know, I thought that was a, a profound thing. And even though I did not understand fully what it meant to love someone mm-hmm. and be in committed relationship, marriage relationship with someone who was dealing with some of the challenges that you were dealing with. But I think that was a, a wonderful expression of you basically putting your stuff on the table mm-hmm. and saying, this is who I am. Do you still, or are you still willing and able to love me and giving me the freedom to make a choice, not trying to deceive me as to who you are. One of the things that you've done in workshops that we've had is you've take a, taken a beautiful box and you know bought some very, very nice uh, um, wrapping paper. You have beautiful bowls and you, you do it up really nice in a, in a nice size oh, yeah. box. The bear. Right. And then you invite people to come and, hey, you know, this is a nice thing we have to give away. And people are like, oh, man, it looks so nice. What's in it? What's in it? And you win the grand prize and then I open it. And as they begin to take it away, take it, take it apart, rather, not really wanting to, you know, some wrapping paper is so nice, you don't want to rip it. <laughs> and so they're taking it really careful and they get down That's to profound, the box. That's profound, though. They get, you know? they, yeah, that is a profound, <laughs> one, right? It's so beautiful. You don't want to mess it up. So they get to the box, the, 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 what's underneath the paper and the bowls, and you invite them to open it and they open it up and you tell them, take out what's inside. And what they lift out are these pieces of a little teddy bear that has been torn apart. And uh, I thought, and I still believe that's so profound because it's so much like what we are giving to one another. Instead of giving people a true version of who we are and owning our brokenness at the front end of our marriage, what we are concentrated or focused on is the pretty wrapping and the bows that are on the outside because we want to be wanted so bad and we're so afraid that if people know uh, more than they need to about us, then it will compromise the decisions that they're, they're going to make. And even on top of that, it, what, what's I believe even worse than that is when we don't even recognize ourselves yeah. what we're dealing with and who and what we are. And listen, I'm going to tell you something about that deceptive idea. You know, we have to understand that marriage is beautiful. 
but we often use the term as a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to try to hide things or sugarcoat things or make things something that they're not, they're going to eventually come out, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible says that whatever a man is, eventually is going to show itself. And, uh, and I know it's scary for people to think that you have to die. And I tell young ladies this all the time, that you don't tell someone that you are right in the process of getting to know everything about yourself right because if that person hasn't committed to you in a such a way that you know that this is more than just a dating situation you know we're not talking about sleeping together we're not talking about we're Mm -hmm. talking about building trust you know but when you know that the relationship is going in a certain direction you have to talk about these things and i think that it is um it's unfortunate that We've seen many of these things come out in relationships 15 years later, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 years later, five years later down the road when, you know, people were were trying to encourage people. That's why we we promote premarital counseling. You know, I'm sorry, you know, whatever people may feel, you know, about that. Um, Premarriage counseling has gotten a bad rap, you know, for some reason, you know, but I feel like it's it's a must. I feel like it is a, a absolute must because it is during that process that you should be discussing and discovering and talking about these things um, so that one, you can make a decision. Um, and, you know, the truth is there are some decisions that do need to be made where you guys aren't ready yet, you know, when people aren't ready to make that step into marriage. And then there are people who you're ready to make the, uh, the, the decision because you've be, you've begun the process or you know you're working through things but you just need tools right you need tools to be able to help so um and yeah you know it um just to sorry to cut you off there but um sometimes it never comes out true it doesn't come out in the first marriage ah uh, it yeah. doesn't come out in the second, second marriage. marriage yeah because i'm just jumping from person to person and i'm blaming mm-hmm. the people i'm in relationships with mm-hmm for making me uncomfortable yeah and in reality the issue is something that's in my heart that needs to be dealt with and some of our listeners may be wondering well okay okay i hear you talking about all this brokenness but you know i don't know what's wrong with you know i I can't see you said it yourself the heart is deceitful so how am i supposed to how am i supposed to know well one of the things that we do tamra is uh we share a core fear what's called a core fear test and it is something from a book called The DNA of Relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found it to be a tremendous tool because it does help in terms of giving an awareness of some of the things that are going on in in your life. Yeah. And this core fear test, it asks you to identify a conflict, recent conflict you've been in. Then it asks you to identify your feelings, your fears, your reactions. And then it... it it, uh, it does a good job of helping you to be able to recognize some things about yourself that are not that that you have not um, you, you, you've not been able to identify. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and it reveals something, too, about vicious cycles, you know, vicious cycles in our lives in um, the micro level and macro level. And I and I really feel like this small little test has been a tremendous tool to really help us as well as other couples that, you know, we've tried to encourage towards understanding how the brokenness manifests itself, you know, in your life. Um, 
And it's scary because when I think about the fact that many of us are just reacting to things and we don't have a clue as to where the root of the issues or the problems come from. We're just very, um, the word divorce is just thrown around like a piece of candy, you know, nowadays. And unfortunately, you would think that before that happens, that people would go through an extensive process to understand how they've gotten to where they are before they make that decision. But, you know, nowadays that's not the case. It is just about, you know, I'm not happy anymore. You know, I don't have joy or it may be legitimate issues. It may be legitimate things that have hurt you or things that you've done or have been done to you. And yeah, you're right. The marriage that you know now isn't working anymore. Right. So you must start a new, a new foundation. Um, but instead of working towards that, um, you know, people choose to just walk away. Yeah, and I, I appreciate this exercise because it it helps you to identify some specific things. But we try to remind people that this is only dealing with one conflict. Yeah. The way we respond uh, to different people True. and in different circumstances, it varies depending on who those people are and what mm -hmm. the circumstances are. Mm -hmm. So there's a there could be a whole host of other emotions, other core fears that arise at work and they are different than what one what, 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 what one would experience at home. So it it is both helpful in that it is specific in helping one to identify and also it gives a sense of an expansive uh, an expansive uh, potential of core fears that exist in an individual's experience which is it's quite humbling yeah and also causes fear <laughs> because it's like wow this is just one conflict man i can think about 10 or 15 and man what does this mean this is amazing and the other thing i think about that are you ever looked at the definitions for the feelings the definitions for the reactions i really didn't understand a lot about emotions because the definitions blew my mind Mm -hmm. Like, wow, that's what that feeling is. You know, mm -hmm. that's what that fear looks like. And so it, it really is. And especially if you come from a family that doesn't talk about feelings, doesn't talk about your emotions, um, when they happen, they, you tend to shy away from them, you know, or when, when conflict happens, we're just like, oh, and so you never really learn how to identify what the real root problem is. And so people deal with those things for years and years and never really know you know, how to confront or deal with those things. Yeah, and I think at this point it's important for us to bring out we this is not just, oh, you know, uh discover your brokenness so you right. can just walk around <laughs> like, oh, woe is me. Yeah. But uh I think our the the extent that we are sharing this and the the motive behind all of this, at least one of them is mm -hmm. that we cannot surrender what we cannot acknowledge yes. and identify. Yes. It's, it's not possible for us to give to God something that we are ambiguous some, uh, ambiguous about. There's no specificity. So if I can't identify it, then I can't surrender it. Mm. And um, then it, 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 it is empowered to creep up in various areas of my life. Mm -hmm. And I won't even be able to recognize it. So um, there's another thing that we talk about in terms of emotional maturity. Yeah. Emotional maturity is uh, there's two parts to it and the first one at least from our conversations the first part to emotional maturity is being able to identify 
what your emotions are. Right, right. And the second part is being able to then manage those emotions. Mm. And we could add another one. Mm. Being able to accept which emotions are legitimate and which ones are not. Yeah. We're not going into that. We'll just stick with the two. Mm -hmm. Being able to identify what our emotions are and being able to manage them. From the conversations that we've had with lots of people, what we've discovered is that the vast majority of people are emotionally immature. Yeah. That is, ignorant mm -hmm. as to what their emotions really are, mm -hmm. and then completely and totally unschooled or uneducated in terms of knowing how to manage their, their emotions. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in a nutshell, the fact is, um, though we all come to the table or the cookout <laughs> with brokenness in our pot, you know, I, I'm so thankful to God that he has given us the tools and the remedies for being able to um, manage, you know, and figure out what those things are. And for, you know, we're all different. The pace in which and the journey in which he has us all on definitely cannot be compared one to another. But for sure, I believe that God, his desire is for us to be free you know, um, to be set free from that bondage. And so that in our relationships, we are able to have functional, loving, um, God-centered, uh, healthy, mature. mature, you know, relationships, not void of conflict because conflict is a part of life, you know, not void of, you know, struggles and things that come along, but make no mistake about it. Um, you are able, we are able, you know, through, through God to be able to, to handle those things. And, um, it's something you were talking about earlier. I know that there are some people who might listen to this and feel as though, you know, they're good. You know what I'm saying? And, and listen, I'm a person who believes that everyone needs God in their life, but there's nothing wrong with having God and a therapist, <laughs> you know? So we are advocates for people to go and get help, you know, individually. Um, yes, it would be ideal for us to have this epiphany in the beginning and get that help. But you know what? It, you can be 10 years into your marriage, 15 years, 20, 30 years into your marriage and still experience healing, still experience wholeness. And, um, and you know, you said a thing earlier it's about people fronting and pretending. You know. Yeah, there was a. I used to really be into rap music, and there was a song, "No Future in Your Front." And when it comes to marriage, especially, yes, there's no future in front. There's yeah. no future in not knowing who you really are, mm -hmm. or presenting to someone else mm -hmm. something other than the authentic you. Yeah. And um, the beautiful thing that I think about when we talk about this this concept of brokenness is Jeremiah chapter 18, where mm -hmm. God says that he is the potter. Yeah. As the potter deals with the clay, mm -hmm. God says that I am able to take you, though you've been marred, mm -hmm. broken, messed up, mm -hmm. rejected, abandoned. God says, I am able to make you again. I'm able to make you whole. Mm -hmm. And not only is God able to make us whole, but God is able to give us purpose yes. in his recreative uh, process. And uh, make no mistake about it, neither Tamara or I mm -hmm. have arrived. At all. But we began uh, a different level of being in process yes. in the hand of the master potter. And we want to invite you to be in the master's hands as well. No matter how difficult things may seem in your marriage, or in the relationships in your life, no matter how unfixable it is, remember that God says he is the master potter. That's right, you can't fix it, and neither can I. 
but we know someone who can. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We hope that you heard something that will inspire you, motivate you. We will try to place the link for this core fear test um, in the bio area. And uh, and we just really, our, our prayer is that um, that we will begin these processes. You know, whoever's listening here, it's not too late. It is not too late to grow and to mature and, um, and to allow God to do the work. Um, that he wants to do in our lives, which is to set us free. So again, thank you for joining us at The Well, and we can't wait to see you all again or hear or listen or talk to you guys <laughs> next week, all right? And remember, guys, no matter what, no matter how full of junk your suitcase is, no matter what, you are loved.